episode 558. She's feeling... Feeling great. Sarah revealed that she is going to see Alanis Morissette at the Hollywood Bowl tonight. Yes. I'm so excited. And mm. it prompted me to want to know if a couple weeks ago you saw they had released... I think it was just an announcement about a documentary about her oh. that is coming out. And she participated in it, did tons of interviews. Like, she was involved. Mm-hmm. But then she apparently watched the final cut, and then now she's mad. And she's like, I'm not supporting this. This is not... What? Yeah. That- is she secretly a bee? Oh, no. I think it's that they maybe were. Like, that they took liberties. That's my... Because she's not a bee. Yeah, I didn't. I've and wasn't she with Ryan Reynolds? I don't know. You can't be a bitch if you're with Ryan Reynolds. Like, I don't know if she was. I think she dated Ryan Reynolds a long time ago because I remember thinking for a split second that I had a chance with Ryan Reynolds, and it was because Alanis Morissette. Like, well, like, yeah, he dates Alan- like he could get down with me. Like, I, I feel like we're kind of similar. Well, because I think his defining characteristic is that he's funny, like witty, kind of. So I think yeah. he appreciates somebody who can. Enjoy yeah. that. God, he's so he's so sexy. Yeah, he's very handsome. Men agree. Yeah. I can't imagine anyone being like, ooh, gross. Right. I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers, as yeah, you say. Right. I love that saying so much. It's but now favorite. it's kind of weird. This kind of reminded me of like the Barbara Streisand effect because uh-huh. now I really want to see it. Like what could she be mad about? She yeah, was doing what the- could she be mad about? But I mean, we know how that goes with producing and editing. Oh, I thought you were going to say, we know how that goes with her. And I'm here (laughs) to remind you. Her next album is going to be the best ever because she's furious. That's really God. Um, Yeah. So I, but what if she was just like, wasn't this ironic? What if that's how she lives her whole life? Is just like just quoting her song own songs, like quoting her own songs. I'll tell you what, though, oh. I had to make a list before we started today because I've watched so many good documentaries that really? I just I'm gonna have to do a roundup, Susie's roundup. Oh, I love a Susie roundup. I I watched the well, I I think I still have one or two episodes left. The um, the the twenty four personalities of oh yeah, Tommy. Tom, Did whatever you think that, that was insightful? Susie, yeah, that w- you undersold it to oh. me. Like, <laughs> that, I love a documentary that leaves you asking so many questions. Yeah, and it, it answered some. It asked some. It yeah made me think about <clears throat> the world of psychology at, about diagnoses. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that he had. Like that, it was. Uh, it's okay. well. So just to refresh so your memory, much. there was. I forget the name of it, but on Netflix, there's a documentary about a serial rapist in Ohio, yes. Ohio State campus, and they have all this footage in there about that reveals that he is someone with multiple personality, which is now called dissociative, dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. And which is a thing, and is I have absolutely worked with, seen. But there's an awareness. You don't Go think on. he has it, is what you're saying. I do think he has it, but oh. I think that that there isn't a lack. There isn't a lack of a, as much of a lack of awareness as we think. Really, 
Yes. It's like the, in the same way. Thing. Yes. Yeah. That is exactly the example I was going to use. And isn't it curious that they said people who have DID are more susceptible to hypnosis? And I would absolutely mm. say that I have had elements of, and obviously I don't have dissociative identity disorder, but and a lot of people with a trauma past do have. You like compartmentalize. You talk about this yes. all the time. Yeah. All, yes. It's totally a thing. So it's like a but milder an awareness. version. Yeah, yeah, there's an awareness of it. And I think when you see how he, uh, how under, in different environments, uh, splintered and fractured into additional personalities, mm-hmm. that that was kind of his doing. I think that there was a desire or a uh, intention on his part to maybe play into that a little bit. So do you think he should have been convicted? Yes. Because even if he has it, you should still be held responsible. Yes. Yes. I do not think somebody should be, I, or you're uh, uh, not guilty by reason of of mental insanity, but you have to, you're you're locked up for you're not going anywhere he had way too many privileges he's well, like he getting out on the weekend the- have a car like driving around going to doing interviews fuck that i don't think so if he were a per- anybody who's not a white male uh-huh. done done right. okay so fascinating yeah it was fascinating whether he has it or not or whether it's exaggerated or not it was really insightful for me because you could see why he might have this problem and then the consequences. So yeah, Yeah. that was a good one. So you already got me excited about what I can't wait for your roundup. Susie's documentary roundup, which, well, I did watch this month's documentary club one, October. Uh, I chose rewind, which is about a, a child, a child sexual abuse survivor. Um, and, it's just like a lot of the other ones, like capturing the Freedmans and others where mm. they just have a trove of home movies. So mm-hmm. then you feel like you can really get a sense for what happened and like the various characters in the story. You can yeah. see them over time. So I loved it. And if you want to join the um, documentary club, yes. you can join on our website because we meet once a month and we talk about these, which is like all I live for. It's the best. I just want to talk about these films all the She's time. She's like... Hey, I can't just hear Sarah's opinion. I need some <laughs> other voices. Yeah, and I'm we don't always watch the same ones. So right, then, and then everybody gives us their like the ones that they've seen, and yeah, <sighs> I love that part. The best one I watched this month though was the Way Down Low on HBO Max about the cult leader with the huge hair. Oh, I, this keeps popping up in in like my Instagram feed or something like the the picture of it yeah hbo max right i feel like i have that if you're watching this on patreon i'm gonna find a picture of her because yeah hbo max because like here's the thing with why it was so interesting um you know how usually with cults they kind of dress in like weird amish clothes and right you know they look suits (laughs) yeah there's always like a an element of sartorial nightmare (laughs) and um in this case, I mean, she had that bad hair, but like in general, they looked, they dressed in a, mo- they dress in a modern way and they, mm-hmm. they appear to be fit into society, you know? Oh, she looks happening? just from the, the, the poster, like she might own some LuLaRue stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, I could see that. In the Venn Here. diagram, there might be some overlap. Okay, wait. I got to find the best picture. Um, oh, God. Look at this you, hair. Wow. Wow. And I bet that's without a bump it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I bet that's just, just, t- just teasing. They said that it – well, and you could tell in the documentary. How it just, did like, she grew, even do that? I know. I, it is impressive. It really defies gravity. It's her and Trump. But that that With one was crazy hair. Amazing cuz I did not know what to expect going in. I didn't have any of the information about where they are now or like what happened. Yeah. So what is this cult? Um well, it's began in the uh, 90s when she just had like a a um diet plan called way down way down W A Y way down. And okay. it was like with a cross. Not so- W E I G H down. Maybe it was, but like it, the film is okay. with a W A Y. So anyway, got but it. the, it's got a play it, on words it, either way. And yes. she was like infusing Christian theology into it, and so like your thinness was evidence of your, you know, goodness. Oh, no, right. Which happens this kind of feels like your family also might <laughs> prescribe to this. Like, though, I text my sister and I'm like, this is like if my mom had a cult. Okay, because I was going to say, I was like, this feels like your mom is putting yeah, out like these same messages. The smaller you are, the more godly and pure and, you know, sinless, all that stuff. It's like evidence of your virtue and discipline. Wow, just disappear. But like a lot of people do this without actually saying it, but she was right. actually saying it. And so she had this program and it was about like, instead of eating, you should be focusing on Jesus. So that was her kind of, it was just portion control. Oh, well, if that isn't a replacement for an addiction, like you're just swapping it out. Which that might be okay, but like. It's okay until you, it's kind of like the, the work, like any other diet. We've talked about this before, like CrossFit people, whatever. You do you, but don't prescribe your plan to me yeah well she was prescribing it that's it's like they think oh well if this worked for me then it it's gonna work for everybody and she's like the one size fits all well and she it was super successful double zero (laughs) yeah right (laughs) ow my cat okay so she uh that was a successful business and she was written about in the new yorker she was like on the today show and so i think she started to feel like powerful and really buy into her height um What's it called? Like validation. Yes. So then she was like, I know, I'm going to start a church. So that's Uh when it really turned cuckoo. Now, I always am curious about the, that, that, okay, you tell me, because you like research cults and stuff like that. (laughs) That I get hung up when it has a a Christian foundation mm-hmm. and the whole like no worshiping false idols like like the idea that they then de- like make themselves like this deity and yeah. I'm sure there's like a, a way that I'm like yeah can say this better but I I just they, makes me yeah. like mm, they kind of when is that moment. Or is it yeah. from the beginning like that? No, no. It's, I think it just grows usually it over grows. time. Yeah, because it wouldn't be very convincing if someone you met was just like, oh, I talk to God and he talks to me. In fact, I'm a vessel for him. 
you'd be like, well, you're batshit crazy. But when it's like the slow burn, then you start seeing like good things happen in your life maybe or like a community that you really love. And then you get all these benefits and then you start thinking, well, maybe she is divinely inspired or a prophet or whatever. So it's like the the frog. The bigger the the hair, the closer to God. (laughs) And she's really pushing that. uh... One cult I would join though is uh, the cult of good sleep. That um, uh, absolutely, I, I feel like the people at proper should start because, as you all know, I have trouble sleeping, and I think a lot of people do because you got anxiety or whatever, you're busy, and proper is such a great option if you need like a non, like proper sleep. Yeah, you need proper sleep, but you don't want to do anything extreme. You just right. want to be soothed. Non-addictive. No Non-addictive. And now Proper has a CBD formula. So if that is something that works for you, then this would be yes. a great option. Um, and it just helps you kind of like mentally get into that space of calming down, know that it's time for bed, and then you go night-night, and then you sleep yes. all night. Imagine yes. that. Yes. Like you want to go to bed. You want to go to bed. You won't procrastinate this this time. Like uh, I do. They're drug-free, gentle, non-habit-forming, made with 100% vegan natural ingredients. We love that. And you won't feel groggy or anything. Start improving your sleep with Proper. Visit GetProper.com right now to order yours today. And use our special promo code BRAINCANDY to get 10% off everything. An additional 10% off subscriptions, including that CBD one. Don't wait. That's promo code brain candy for 10% off at getproper.com. You'll love it. Um, anyway, so this lady is running this cult. And, um, you know, it's like basically if, if you don't lose the weight or if you gain some over time, then, you know, you are kind of like excommunicated and stuff. You're out if you <clears> – well, <throat> shit, man. I know it's real tough and like her husband was overweight and she was with him for like 30 years and then she left him, which none of the members were allowed to get divorces, but she was. And then she married Joe Laura who played Tarzan on some movie about Tarzan and (laughs) it was such a weird turn of events where you're like, so what am I watching? But anyway, it's That's like one of those things where you're like, this can only be... Sometimes when I hear stories like that, I'm like, yeah, it's probably a simulation. What is? You know, just everything. Oh, yeah, like human life. Like, that's just This can't be weird. real. Yeah. That can't be real. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was three huh. episodes. You got to watch it. It's, oh, I totally will. It's great. It keeps popping up and I keep hearing people talk about it. And I'm always fascinated by cults that are run by women. Yeah, those are few and far between. They are, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a, a it's a a particular type, and it's what is that type? Like, if you had to <sighs> say, I, why are they always blonde? They are always blonde. Yeah, is the I I mean I didn't want to say it, but it makes sense though because if. They tend to buy into like the patriarchal structure okay. and that yeah. buys into like colonialist ideas about totally. hierarchy and beauty. European and, beauty standards. Yeah. And, and that's yeah, another thing sure. Peg's real into. I mean, my whole family is just like, it's like children of the corn or whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> Blonde weirdos. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, cool. I'm yeah. definitely going to check that one out. 
Okay, then there's an entire series on Netflix called Untold. Have you seen any of those? Is this the sports one? There is Malice of the Palace, which is sport. Yeah, they must all be because one yes, was they boxing. Are all, sport. I yeah. love when Susie's into I the know. sports doc. And this was real good. Malice of the Palace was great because that was about. People are saying that was just like made yeah. them like basketball or made them interested in basketball or. or yeah. Yeah, well, because. Like, you didn't have to care about basketball to know that that's an amazing documentary. Yes. And it was great because there apparently there was this big fight at a basketball game involving the players and fans, which like never happens that the fans would be like in the midst right. of the brawl. Right. Um, but they did a great job of providing all the camera angles. So, and they did it slowly and walked you through. And then this happened. And whereas Ooh, like on ESPN, when it happened, it was just like these thugs, these players oh. are, you know, just, they're out of control. This hip hop culture, Oh, they're using all of the words yeah. that I hate. All of those, yeah, those urban, all of those nope. euphemisms for black nope. people, basically. Yeah, and then yeah. You, and they were painted as the villains. Like, get a hold of yourselves. You're out of control. But then you see what actually happened, Ooh. and who's actually out of control. And it's not black people. You right. know what I mean? Yep. So that was great. Good job. Oh, I can't wait. That's I hear all. the team that has the worst fans in basketball. The like. Everyone who's a basketball fan knows that these fans are the worst, the meanest, the cruelest. Utah well, Jazz. Yes. Why? That was in the, um, the Michael yep. Jordan one too. Because then what I've heard is the the Mormons. It is yes. It is and the because it's that an kind of aggression. Yes, mm-hmm. is not something that is. Uh, uh, accepted it's definitely repressed those but in the context of cheering for your team or in sports it's allowed Mm -hmm. so they don't know where the line is and they just let it all out and what's how they love pressed shit snacks and candy they love snacks and candy they really do as like statistically they really love it and it makes sense (gasps) because if you can't have freaking caffeine or alcohol or anything like that then One year, when Chet and I were friends, I got him like a five-pound bag or whatever. I don't know what the size was of just the marshmallows from Lucky Charms. Was he psyched? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. And that makes sense, I guess. But, yeah, like... Pretty sure I got that for him. Well, and then another one in that series was about Christy Martin, who is the best female boxer in the world. (gasps) Is this the one that got with her um, trainers? Yes. How do you know about all of them, but then you don't watch them? Like, because I, I, I don't. I don't know. I hear. I. I think I might eavesdrop on conversations when I'm out in public because I definitely haven't talked to other humans about this. The only people I talk to are you and my clients, and so I don't know how I would know all this. No, but it was great. He tried to kill her, Sarah. What? He stabbed her and shot her. What? Yes. Holy fuck. Yes. It was really insane. He stabbed because we were like, halfway and she's done. the number one female boxer. Yeah, but then he wanted to spar with her when they were still married, and um, oh, you know God. he's a big man, a bigger, much bigger yeah. than her. She was a lightweight, and he knocked her out. She had never been knocked out in her entire boxing career, and he knocked her out under this guise what a of fucking like, fuck. right? And she goes, 
you know when you're knocking someone out. Like that's a choice yes, that you're you making. Yes, you do. Yeah, but he oh did it because it was like protected. Like what are you going to do? Go in the same. We were boxing and he knocked me out. Well, nobody's going to arrest you know how, him. You know how people who are pedophiles position themselves in yeah. they're like oh I'm going to be a soccer coach right or like a uh, for scout children I'm going to be like a boy yeah. scout leader mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me right that this motherfucker chose somebody who like want, chose to put himself in an environment where he gets to yeah hit girls a woman women mm-hmm. woman yeah fuck that it was great though it was so fascinating to oh see God. how she sort of dominated the field and women's boxing was not like nobody cared you were gonna make three dollars you know what i mean right she came out and like she was represented by don king that guy Mm -hmm, with the hair mm -hmm. yeah and then like she was on the same card as tyson and you know like she became like an actual draw yes yeah but in the background her husband's like you know controlling her it was weird and he made her like put a penis like a fake penis <gasps> in her pants and he would video her and then whenever they had problems he would send it to people oh my god yeah what is wrong with people <laughs> i just you're such a good reactor because i just can't imagine <sighs> the thing that is the, uh, you know i just think back to when you t- we were we were talking about I don't know why it stands out now as the example in my mind about um, Coney Island yeah and I was like I like we don't need to go digging through that I mean we do it's you know it, it, it teaches us stuff but as soon as you do you see that yeah. everyone has a like mm-hmm. seedy underbelly whatever yes. you want to like a dark everyone has a trauma past everyone has their shit the muck the it's there mm-hmm. for whether you're the number one female boxer whether you are kim kardashian i always think about how she has eczema and like yeah. you know i'm like what ifs kim kardashian has eczema you know. <laughs> why does she wear that outfit to the met gala <laughs> i did think that i thought well did you really because yeah. i just like made that up off the top yes, of my head and i was like I really somebody did. who suffers from that because she yeah, talks about imagine. it yeah. but if you suffer from bad. back pain may i yes. recommend the thermo theragun absolutely recommend if you just it's so good are a human who has a body <laughs> i recommend the theragun well yeah because i mean it can be like therapeutic in therapeutic. this way but yeah. it could just be like pleasurable Theragun is a percussive, um, you know, massage type of therapy device, and it goes deep into your muscle tension. Adam uses it. I use it. It is so nice to have because if you even just sit at a desk, you get aches and pains or stiffness, and it's no who needs it? Nobody. Nobody does. And this way you can have like your own personal little masseuse at home. Or no, what do they call them? Massage therapist at home. Uh, Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash brain candy right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash brain candy, therabody.com slash brain candy. Great Christmas gift. Just an idea. Yeah, and I've paid more for crappy massages. That is such a good point. Yeah, and this, at like fancy hotels. Mm-hmm. I remember once uh, it was right before my 
wedding. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a massage at this night, the hotel we were getting married at. And uh, I'm divorced now in case anybody doesn't know that. I feel like I always have to say that after <laughs> I talk about being married. Um, we should say that uh, all the time. All the time. Uh, ah, this is when I was like not good at speaking up for myself. And there was the air conditioning blowing on me the whole time. I was freezing my ass off. It was at like a fancy hotel. So I definitely paid like That's upwards un- of $200. That is not okay. It was miserable. Mm-hmm. And then it felt like just like a cat walking on my back, like wasn't even good. Like just was like, like I was like, this is, well, I just Sarah, left feeling more stressed out. I was like, I should have just fucking used the Theragun. The well, end. and you're a massage enthusiast. Like you oh, are uh, a connoisseur. Well, have yeah, because... <laughs> It does yes, it for me. Yes, right. She, it can do it for me. It gets her motor running. It really um, does. God, when I find a guy who's, or a lady, who's um, into massaging, holy fuck. And they're like That's givers. the dream. They're I've had givers. that twice. And it has been amazing. That's real nice. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's going somewhere yeah, in my mind. okay. Anyway, um, okay, so watch the boxing one. Watch Malice yes. of the Palace. They also have, I haven't watched it yet, but they have a Caitlyn Jenner one. Yeah. That would be interesting. Anyway, and then um, also the Brainiac, Sarah and Christy recommended Misha and the Wolves. That was oh. on Netflix also. And that was about a woman who wrote a book about surviving the Holocaust when she was like nine years old. Her parents were killed in the Holocaust and she was adopted by these people and then she wanted to find her parents like she thought Mm -hmm. she could find them. And so she went out into the woods and she met these wolves and they like accepted her as one of their own and it was this big bestseller. Wolves? Yes. (laughs) Accepted her as one of their own? (laughs) Yes. It was like a bestseller. Did they give her a little invite? Slip her a little RSVP, (laughs) like a little invitation to... yes. Plus well, one. Then. You're invited. You're like, no, no, sorry, lone wolf only. This just, <laughs> in, just single. Yes, but then, no so this was a best selling book. It was translated into wow. all these languages. But then the, the translations were different. And so people started being like, wait a minute. And then they found out that this was all a big fat lie. <gasps> what? She didn't really get accepted by wolves? No, which you'd think we would have realized earlier. But yeah, it's I was almost like, like mm. sometimes when So they didn't slip her an invite under the door? Shocker. I think sometimes when your lies are fantastical like oh. that, that it's almost like more believable. Yes. Yes. Because you sure. think, well, who's gonna make that up? Who's gonna make that up? Right. Well, apparently Misha is. Oh my god. So weird. Pathological liars like that. <clears throat> yeah, and then it so uh, they they had to answer the question like because her parents really did die. Right. In the Holocaust. So they were like, you know, she she was a victim. Yeah. <sighs> but. Yeah. The, are we mad about it? They were like, yeah, we should be. And here's why. Because you're you're creating a sense of doubt about all these actual survivors who did live through these horrible things. And so now it puts everything into question. But where's the. Where's the doubt come in? About well, the survivors. Because she lied. So then they're saying like you're kind of like tarnishing all survivor stories. But I don't think that's fair. If she's lying about something that's, you know, and and could it be a metaphor? To me, it kind of feels like that. It could have been in, in a way to say it was. 
Right. I mean, she's wrong. It feels just kind of like artistic expression. What the part that she's she fabricated that they don't like is that she she went she did not go into the woods and did not befriend wolves. Everything about the story, other than her parents dying, was a lie. Like she was just adopted by her other relatives. It wasn't like strangers, and she never ran away, and she never tried to find her parents, and she never was adopted by wolves. So like all of it was fiction. Okay. But she is somebody who experienced the trauma of her parents being killed at a very in young age, which is very sad. But yeah. that doesn't like give you some sort of permission to right. make millions. Yeah, off of- you can't pitch it as the truth. And nobody would have bought it. I can if they see knew. it as a coping strategy. Yeah, I understand that. But yeah. you can't then pitch your. It just reminds me of that. What's his name, James? Fray, fry million little yeah. pieces thing. That was that, a real scandal. That was a, I read that book and I really believed him. Did he ever parse out like what was true and what wasn't? Or do we just have to guess? I don't know. I think at the time I was just like not having any, I just didn't want to, I People really were loved mad. the book. Everybody that read it was like transformed it was by so it. so good. Yeah. What was it that was so good about it? I don't even remember. You know what it was? It felt very honest. Like it felt. That's awful. Holy fuck. I can't believe I just said that. I just realized what I said as soon as I said it. No wonder you I felt didn't betrayed. Even, I didn't even. Uh, that makes sense. I didn't even connect the two things in my head. As soon as I said that, it wasn't until I saw your reaction where I was like, wait a sec. That could be why. Because yeah. it did. It felt like. Someone you know, like bearing somebody their going soul. to rehab and, so, you know, and it feels like if that person can be that broken, I can too. And then when you feel, when it feels not fake or, or not real, it then makes you go like, am I not allowed to then? Yeah. Like you feel it's the feelings about the feelings you have yes. shame or whatever for believing and for investing yeah. in this lie. Right. Right. And that remember when Oprah had him on after and she was like having none of it. Yes, she was like tisk tisk finger wag shame. I don't on you. think she should have done that. Like I didn't like the shaming, the public shaming of it. But I know why she's mad. Yeah. That was awesome though. That was awesome. <laughs> Man. Okay, moving on. I mean yeah. also let me say oh you got to watch Nuclear Family. That was on HBO as well. What's that? That was about these two lesbians. Oh, this is so fun. <laughs> Susie's movie reviews. Yeah. This- Sarah cancels her plans for the weekend. <laughs> these lesbians that fell in love and wanted to start a family. And it was back in the 70s or something. And they needed donor. Uh, yeah. And so they went to these gay like guys that would do it without and they would they had a contract that was like, you know, mm-hmm. no rights but no responsibility. You're just yeah. a sperm guy. Yeah. And then everything was good. And they had these two daughters, different two different dads. And then like the kids get to school age and then, you know, you start hearing like, Well, who's my dad? You know, mm-hmm. we have two moms but no dad. And then they said, Well, he there's this person and he helped create you, but you know, whatever. And then so then the kids started to show interest, then they wanted pictures, and then they wanted to meet them. And then, you know, the guys are willing and they meet them, but then they start falling in love with their children. Like, which is a totally How normal thing not? to do. 
Right. And you then, see yourself reflected in another person? Come yeah. on. It would be very hard to not become attached or whatever. So then it was. it's about this custody battle that ensues as a result. Oh, no. And my, my best friends, the Leses, they have two kids. They have a great relationship. And so I kept thinking about them when I was watching it. Yeah, and thinking that's like, what I was thinking of. Whose side am I on? Like, who am I rooting for? And it's so complicated. And It's so complicated. I mean, there's no real villain or anything. It's just sort of right. like human relationships are complicated. And especially so. when you can't have a baby the old-fashioned way, mm-hmm. there's just like a lot of things that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. A lot. So I recommend Oh, that. gosh. That's really interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Another yeah. thing that's very interesting is how I am on a probiotic journey to like get my oh. gut, you know, healthy. You need that, Suze. Thank you. I am you. happy that this is very important. We yes. got to take your, your gut health Thank into you. It for control. real. And, and so like, you know, I eat yogurt and I eat, I make kimchi and, yes. you know, I'm trying to do other stuff. And then I found this company that makes these delicious rye chips and bread and it's... <gasps> Oh, I'm so glad we're talking about this. <laughs> it's so good, right? Uprising Foods. I, Holy heck. I, I didn't... You know, there's something I love about being surprised. Like, yeah. Sarah you know gets surprise I mean? packages sometimes. Yeah. And <laughs> and having no expectations. Right. Being like, what's the big deal? Okay. So you're going to make... Really those yummy. Those fucking chips. Yes. I eat them with brie. Don't tell anybody. They're so good. They're delicious. You know how like when you get um, Chex Mix and then you only want those like rye, ba- yeah. whatever they are. It's like that, but a whole bag of them. So good. Oh, and so good. They have um, two net carbs per serving, six grams of protein, nine grams of fiber. And it's that prebiotic, probiotic scenario yes. where they're like putting all the stuff in there that will help your gut and it's delicious. Yes. And I say thank you. Like I get to have the munchies and chow down on. I feel good about it. Yes. <laughs> Uprising is offering our listeners ten dollars off the starter bundle that includes two superfood cubes and four packs of those freedom chips to try. Go to uprisingfood.com slash brain candy and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's U-P-R-I-S-I-N-G food.com slash brain candy to get ten dollars off your first purchase of the starter bundle. Do it. Yeah, you know that what I love about this is I'm a big fan of making small changes to make yeah like small tweaks and like things that you can do to adjust your diet, your health, whatever to have because like I said I'm not getting any younger over here and I need to like you have to like yeah but it has start. to be doable. That's right. what I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, small thing like just swap it out. You That's want some I- chips? Just have the just swap it out. Trade for trade. You want to just try different bread. Oh my gosh. That's mm-hmm. all you have to do. It's not like adding anything. Yeah. I love that. I do too. And it's not like removing anything. R- R- who's which do- is very Don't hard. take it. Don't take my chips away. <laughs> just give me ones that are good <laughs> right, for me. Right, right. Don't take away my bread. Just make it probiotic oh, and help God. my gut. Uh, you will love it, you guys. Okay. Yeah. This was... Okay. Oh, I did read a really great article about um, uh, 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 the you know those blue um, cookie tins dance 
uh, shortbread cookies. Yes, it's yes. Like a metal. Oh, I'm so familiar. Yeah. Yes. So how are you? Familiar? They now hold all of my sewing stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. This you is mean what my the craft container about the article that hold buttons? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the New York Times did an article about the Dansk shortbread cookie tins and how everyone puts their sewing stuff in there. Yes. And it's generational. Like my grandma yes, it did is. it, then my mom did it. And I actually like, am getting goosebumps. Oh. Like like chills thinking about opening up those tins. That's special. So like did you get that from your grandma or mom or did you just decide mm-hmm. on your own? I got that from my grandma. It was yeah. definitely, you know, my mom was a wardrobe stylist, so she had so much sewing stuff. There were like <clears throat> specific yeah. you know it was almost like it looked like a tackle box like there was it had multiple she was right that's she her was job more of a professional <laughs> it was she was a professional but grandma had the the cookie tins but here's the thing i fucking love those cookies oh me too i they are my favorite and every year when they come out i just in the same way that i get excited about halloween being over and i get the sale yeah. halloween stuff yeah i am equally excited about the after christmas basically giving them away yes i got a big one last like new right year. like for like one dollar like, they're my- like take it it caught and why i get those is because i do need tins and boxes for like all the random crap shit i have it would cost me more to go to i don't know wherever and buy a metal tin yeah to well, put my stuff in. If I go buy that, it's going to be $3 at, at Michael's. If I get my, you know, December 30th sale stuff, it's going to be 99 cents for the whole box. They didn't And say, I get cookies. In the article, I don't think they addressed, like, why the company chose this packaging. Because to me, it seems, like, not efficient cost-wise. Like, that is an expensive oh, it's package. it's genius to me. So do you think that that was their intention? Or do you think they thought it was just the best box for their cookies i think maybe when it how old is the company i think it's really old really old okay i I bet when it started that was how it came and then it was one of those things where like this is traditional this is just how we've always done it and then maybe the uh, somebody who had you know the understanding of marketing recognized why there was benefits to having something that is so recognizable that you don't e- you don't even have to say the brand we don't even know have to know how to pronounce it but we all know exactly what cookie you're talking about we all know exactly what tin you're talking about cuz it's kind of like we're going to buy them when we talked about the tote bags how companies want you to get this free tote bag because then you're like a billboard wherever right. and it's kind of like that where like that's branding <laughs> total branding year round year round and yeah. then everybody it plants it in your head it's in there's an association you know like mm-hmm. i i remember my grandma had ones it wasn't the blue tin but it was ones that looked like a uh an english phone booth mm-hmm. do you know what i'm talking about yeah the red does this ring a bell mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. and it was like it looked like the phone booth on the and that's the one that I have in my mind of, of grandma. That's and, so nice. Yeah. Um, the article did include other packaging that people reuse, like the Cool Whip container. I don't. You probably never had that because you're not white trash, but like... I don't never had Cool Whip ever. 
Well, I don't even know if I've actually had Cool Whip, but like my grandma would put leftovers in the Cool Whip container and then you'd take that yeah. container home yeah. on Thanksgiving yeah. or whatever. Oh, we had containers full of, it was always Trader Joe's uh, bruschetta. Yours was, was like high end. <laughs> it was hippie food. Like my mom, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, I'm I, I cooking dinner or whatever I was making. I'm like thinking about how I, I don't even have any processed food like in my whole house and I don't have, it's like not what I go to. And not even like a bad, well, you I, have the I, chips, the uprising, I was thinking but like, how my, like yeah, normal nope. chips? No. Nope. No. Nope. My, I have nothing that is, I don't have a single processed food. Like there's absolutely nothing you in my house. You need an emergency box of Ritz. Mm, I do. Because like every thing, house should It's always that. an emergency. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> and if you, I told Susie one time I, I stayed at Susie's house for, to, I, I don't know, I was like house sitting or watching the cat or something like that. <laughs> and I, I, I smoked a little weed and, uh, you know, I was hanging out and definitely got the munchies. And Susie does have, I'm talking about you like you're not here. Susie does have one of those houses where she's yeah, got. Yeah, I like having stuff. Yes. Yeah. You have snacks on snacks. I told her, I'm like, thank God you don't record the, the footage, the yeah, cam, right. like yeah. what, cam footage cam. because security cam. You would, I, I would love to count how many trips I made. To go get little handfuls of the Skittles or M&M's that were in those. Too. Like, oh I think they were God. M&M's at the time. It was right after mm-hmm. we had the brain candy meetup. Yeah. So you had all the big jars of candy. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, I should have just got one big trip, just one handful. No. When you, I was like, I'll take three at a time. Okay, let's say you're at home, though, and you have that like more limited options yeah. in terms of like yeah. naughtiness. Yeah. It's not. Um, and you smoke a doob. Yeah. Then what's like your go-to craving? Like what do you want to eat at that time? Like if I had it in my refrigerator or like what, what do think, I eat? Oh, that... I wish I had uh, I'm a big fan or... of popcorn. Yeah, good one. I can go pop because I also, you know, a lot of it, I remember a long time ago you asked me what my favorite ice cream was and I answered frozen yogurt and you were like, what? That's not an answer to what's your favorite ice cream? And I said, yeah. well, I, the, the feelings of guilt that I've since cured this. I have, I have relieved myself of this, the burden of these emotions, but the guilt that comes with eating the ice cream is so, so intense that I don't even enjoy it. So I'll have the thing that's like, so I won't allow myself to eat food that's really crappy for me because the guilt of, of that, you know, is not fun for me. I just think about, remember when I was like pregnant for half a second and I ate McDonald's and then I pulled over, had to pull over and I called you crying and told you I poisoned my baby. <laughs> yes. It's ridiculous. So I'm like, ah, it yeah. gives me too much stress to think. Cause that's the fucking crap that my mom you know, planted in my head when I was little. She's like, blue dye number, whatever is going to kill you. All of this is, is poison. And, you know, I I had that thought the other day as I was cooking breakfast. I'm like, I cannot, not one time in my childhood did my mom ever buy a bag of Doritos or bag of like, not one time ever. I've like never had Oreos in our house growing up. Never. Child abuse. It feels like that. <laughs> Not yeah. one time. So I was thinking, I'm like, why don't I, you know, well, how come I don't just like have some of that? I'm like, well, cause this is, this wasn't modeled behavior. This wasn't what I saw. I don't, it doesn't feel like what I should have. 
Yeah, the transgressive like nature of the way people see food is it gets internalized. Yes, from your childhood. I cannot do it. I mean, we talked about Peg earlier about how she's like obsessed with skinniness and like being small. That must have been so hard with all of that food as available. Yeah, that's what's weird though cuz she would yeah. make chocolate chip cookies every day. This was her like, routine. Like how do you not get but it's like that mukbang thing where the uh, the ideal is if you can eat whatever you want and still be. But smart. how is that a thing? Right. It's not really. It's not. There's some disordered eating in there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know? But I mean, if I had the munchies, I would want something. Like Sarah, I don't know how you live like this. Um. You know what's interesting? Like, I make sure that I am selective about what kind of weed I buy, too. And I get kinds that don't have as much of the munchy effects. Because there are certain things that, um, yeah. Shout out to the strain Orange Tangy for having (laughs) the, being the only strain that has, one of the only strains that has a, you know how there's like CBD and THC? There's, there's another one. There's some other one. They're different. Another a few of these different kinds uh, that has effects that counteract the munchies. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that, that one is, is the like, jam. That's yeah. like seedless watermelons. Like we're done. That you've right. Done we're it. done. You, you've, yeah. That's the ideal. Yeah. Um, so, okay. The other ideal is time. being able to ship stuff right from your house. <gasps> Am I right? Yes. Oh. Shout out to stamps.com for basically (laughs) uh, supporting my online open market auctioning sales because all of that was shipped easy breezy from my couch. That's what's great about stamps.com. If you haven't tried it, it is friggin' time because it brings the services of the post office and UPS right to your house or office. You just print out the postage to anywhere in the world for any weight or whatever, any letter. And then you put it in the mailbox and off it goes. You don't Easy. have to go anywhere. My mail carrier also told me, he was like, I can take however much, because I have a tiny mailbox. Yeah. And I had a whole bunch of packages. And I was like, hey, can you, can you take these? Like, do you? And he's like, oh, yeah, whatever oh you God. got. I can take any time. In fact, let me give you a box for it or like a bin for it. Wow, VIP and I think he was kind of flirting with me. So yeah. <laughs> that doesn't come with the stamps. Yeah, that is not but, standard. Yeah. But it is so convenient and it does save you money. I promise you, you will love it. Um, yeah, there's like a rate advisor tool to tell you yes. like the best deal. Um, I saved like 40 bucks on shipping your birthday thing because it was like, hey, you should yeah. send it. Use other way. PS, UPS. And yeah. there you go. Save time and money with stamps.com. There's no risk. And with our promo code BRAINCAN, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Brain Candy. That's stamps.com, promo code BRAINCANDY, stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. We have a guest. Oh, I love a guest. I was very excited to have this fellow on. Um, his name is Jay Baker, and he is the son of Jim and Tammy Faye. I was, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> He's my buddy and I really love him. I and love this. I, okay, if you're not familiar with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, which you ought to be. Yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, they're cultural. You know who they are if you saw them. Yeah. Yes. Um, they were televangelists in the 80s. 
Uh, they may have started earlier, but um, they became very famous because of their work on television, spreading the gospel, but also because Tammy Faye was a real character and she wore tons of mascara and she was just so like much. Midwestern. She had this like, you know, hi, this is Monica Erickson type of accent. And she was just a, a caricature of a real person, but she was real. Yes. And anyway, there's a new movie coming out called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Where Jessica Chastain oh. plays Tammy Faye. Oh my, I've heard it so, and I've heard Jessica Chastain does an amazing job. Yes, and he said that, that like it humanized her. It wasn't yeah. about oh, being good. a villain. And it's the I opposite mean, of the Alanis Morissette documentary. <laughs> yes, and she was never convicted of anything. She never went to jail. Her husband, Jim, did. He went to jail and got into trouble for like, you know, money stuff. But she never did. And what I really love about her, though, is that she loved everyone. And she is kind of what Christianity ought to be in that regard. She loved the gays. And didn't she love the gays? She loved the gays. Yeah. And you can see how she became like a gay icon, too, because she's very glamorous and she's very All that um, mascara. Yeah. Come on. Of course, she she did need some drag queens. She could have helped her with the lashes. Yeah, she I feel was like if really she would have discovered strip it. lashes instead of yeah. mascara. Mm-hmm. It was like but, early on. Yeah. But um, she also went on the surreal life. I mean, she was Oh not, my God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Like she wasn't sort of like the typical where they're like anti-secular right. pop culture. Mm-hmm. She was just embraced everything and everybody. So anyway, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to him about what it was like to experience that scandal <sighs> And having your parents become a punchline for decades. I mean, they're wow. still referred to in this comical, cruel way. And it's not, hey, he didn't do it. Right. And um, I just imagine oh, that so it's been real difficult for him. And I wanted to find out more about his faith, if he is yes. a believer, um, you know, what that journey has been like for him. So I was happy to get to talk to him. So welcome to the show, Jay Baker. Yes. Jay Baker, thanks for letting me harass you and make you come on my show. I um, love you so much. Thank you. You're one of my favorite people in all the world. Oh, stop it. No, I'm dead serious. Are you joking? (laughs) Oh, my God. You always say really lovely things. You always say very nice things. I appreciate it. Oh, let me make myself clear because. You're such a special person. And I remember I interviewed you like six years ago and I was so nervous because I just think the world of you and you were so lovely and so smart and so fun. And so now that everybody's chatting about your family again, I was like, I got to have this guy on and we got to like discuss because my God, you have a weird life, Jay. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is a really weird life. Well, and I was excited. I would, no, I was really excited about this interview because I follow you, and you know, I send you DMs every now and then, and and uh, yeah, I because I, so much of your stuff makes me laugh so much. Like some of the stuff is like hilarious. Well, I feel like since you and I, I mean, your life is so big and weird, but in a lot of ways, you represent an experience that a lot of us had growing up in the eighties with a very specific brand of evangelicalism. Uh And so I just feel like we have a similar sensibility about that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm always barking up your tree and like, it just is nice to have somebody that understands what a weird upbringing that was. 
for just yeah. a normie like me, but yours was on the bigger level. So I saw last week you went to the premiere of The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I did. And I want to know how you're feeling about all of this shenanigan going on. I'm overwhelmed. Um, I literally found a psychoanalysis, a psychoanalyst to go to as soon as I realized this film was coming out. <laughs> that was uh, what led you to do that? It was. It was. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I kind of wish I could send the bills to uh, Searchlight or Disney. I think they own them now. Wish Mickey Mouse would pay for my therapy. Um, <laughs> Mickey Mouse would pay for all of our therapy. Yes. <laughs> um, but so I've known about it and I've talked a lot to Jessica Chastain. Um, we've become friends through this, which is so bizarre. Good. Yeah. You know, so weird. Uh, Cause I'm not a lot, of, I'm not, I don't have a lot of friends as it is. And then much less someone who's a movie star. Um, but she's genuine and she's a human yeah. being and not what I imagined at all. Um, but yeah, so I saw the movie actually a few months earlier in LA. I, uh, they, uh, they invited me out for a screening and I took my, uh, best friend Pete Rollins with me. And, uh, I said, cause I need some fresh eyes on this thing, man. I'm like, cause how I'm going to see it yeah. is completely different than how everybody else is going to see this. Totally. Film. And he's a philosopher. Like he's, a, a, you know, a I love that guy. Yeah. So, um, so we went and saw the film together and, um, you know, it was wild. It was done really well. I mean, there's things I could nitpick about it and, um, just sets and the timeline and things like that. But, mm. you know, you're, you're crushing like 30 to 40 years within like an hour and a half, two hours is a bit, you know, they have to it's do a lot. Order, yeah. But yeah, so I saw it, but then going to the premiere was a bit different. Um, they had a pink carpet, which was cool. Um, but I was so out of it that I didn't even realize until like two days later that the carpet was pink. Um, I'm sure it was a lot to take in for you. It was a lot to take in, but yeah, so I went and, um, I had a date there and that was great because, uh, Lori was really awesome to kind of just help me through it. Um, you know, I got to meet Vincent, the guy who played Jerry Falwell, and I've always really liked him a lot. And so he was the only actor I asked to meet, you know, cause he was like in the cell and creeped me out and like yeah. law and order. He kind of creeped me out. He you love King a creepy and- dude, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is years ago, right after my first divorce, I had met this really beautiful woman, this beautiful Italian woman uh, that I was dating and we were at the drugstore and he was in the drugstore too. And she was getting a refill of something and he, and he, and her last name was Pellucci. He's like, Pellucci, huh? Italian. Oh <laughs> I kind of had to be like, Hey, you kind of hit on my girlfriend yeah, right. Right. years ago. Um, so that was kind of, I didn't tell him that, but that was hilarious. Um, so he is creepy. No, uh, he's, really right, creepy. Right. he's been really nice, but yeah, it was overwhelming. Um, I, uh, I had to walk out of the theater a few times because seeing it with people is different, How you so? know, because of their reactions, you know, and like when it was just me and Pete, you know, I could sit there and, you know, some, some of Jessica got my mom's hand motions down and her movements down so much that sometimes that would just, I'd be like, you know, get a little teary eyed. 
And, um, but I could just sit there and be that way with Pete, you know, and I didn't expect Pete to get emotional, but as soon as my sister's song hit at the end of the movie, even Pete got emotional. I was like, holy shit. You know, I cried at the trailer, Jay. <laughs> I did. My well, Pete's God. one of those people that you want to like collect his tears because they might cure some <laughs> random disease because they're so rare. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so, you know, I got up and walked out a couple times and then Lori was like, you know, we can leave. We don't have to stay. She's like, I can see this anytime. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. We're adults. We're allowed to do that. And, um, so I guess there's, there's one scene where Ted Koppel's interviewing my parents and some people laughed because my dad's, my dad has like this Freudian slip and, um, people laughed and I remember that night so vividly as an 11 year old and my parents that's when I saw my parents as really human beings for the first time right was that night and they were so broken like I've never honestly I've been doing working in some type of church or ministry I don't use those words anymore but for almost 25 I mean most I've been in it most of my life and working in it for gosh, 94. So you can do the math on that. 26 years, maybe mm-hmm. um, the same thing. And they were still two of the broken, the most broken people I'd ever seen. And, uh, you know, I've done funerals of all sorts of things. And so they were really broken to pieces. My dad was like, had almost gone canatonic and mm-hmm. was in fetal position on the couch most of the time, you know, and my mom's just pure life. So she's just like, <laughs> I'm just trying to live. Let's go to Marshall's. Let's go to the mall. You know, let's just, you know, let's try to live, you know, everything's falling apart and um, really amazing. Like I, all these stories, like I really wish that the writers would have talked to me. I I talked to the actors, but I really wish the writers would have talked to me because there's uh, truth is way more fascinating than fiction, especially when it comes to my folks. Um, But people laughed at that one scene. And for me, I, I, that was such a moment of, of trauma because yeah. it was like a little part of me, like the kid in me died a bit, you know, yeah. and, and not many people have that very moment set in their mind. And so I was like, yeah, let's go, you know, and we got up and, and, and left, but it was really nice. Cause I got all of a sudden I get a text from Jessica. Like, I just saw you leave the theater. <laughs> Are you okay? Oh you know, like, my God. That's, that's nice. How cool she is, you know, did you ever see that movie? Um, say anything yeah you know where he holds the speakers yeah. over and the girl who he's dating like the valedictorian she's talking about him and she's like you know we went to this party and you know he got he got made the guy who had to keep everybody's keys at the yeah. party so yes. he could hang out with her she's like but he kept checking in on me you know and she's like that was just so lovely and so like jessica that night was like my lloyd dobler like she kept <laughs> sending me, she kept sending me texts making sure i was okay that's even sweet. at like at the after party, she didn't realize I was there. She's like, are you okay? Everything going okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting talking to the director. She's like, oh, you're here. I'm so okay. happy. Yeah. But it was so funny because it was such an emotional moment. Like when I got to the after party and it was like on the rooftop of this New York hotel and they had a, and I, I've been sober for uh, 25 years, I guess. Um, I walk, walk in and they had this, they have a, because of Diet Cokes, my mom always drank Diet Cokes. They have this tray just full of Diet Cokes. And the lady's like, would you like a drink? I was like, yes, I need a drink. You know, grab a Diet Coke. <laughs> right. And like finding Take the dark corner. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Find a dark corner to go kind of sit in and just kind of be on my be on my own. Because another weird thing about it was is hearing people talk about the film. Like there was people next to me and they were like talking about it and talking about my Dude. family. Yeah. So I had to like, I finally just got up and walked over and said, hey, you know. Oh my God. You guys are talking about my life. I mean, I know we just saw the movie. And I'm like, but this is my life. You know, if you have questions, come over and talk to me. If not, you know, if you don't mind, just maybe just moving down a couple seats because yeah. I, I honestly just don't want to hear it right now um That's but yeah and i and, and they had the prop baby blue prop phones on all the tables i stole one it's <laughs> the right thing to do yeah i mean i figured that was you know that's what i got for being a you know being in the movie or being a part of the movie i wasn't in the movie but um so yeah that was that was kind of it in a nutshell why do you think the writers didn't consult you I, like, I met the writer when I was there and I told him, like, man, I really wish you would have give me a call, you know? And I, he almost, almost, he almost felt like he came off this sense of like superiority to me, like, ugh, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like there's like an unspoken rule in Hollywood about getting families involved in things and not getting them involved in things. Okay. And, um, but you, you know, lived which, it. Which, yeah, I mean, I did live it. And so I don't know. I think maybe it was fear. Maybe they're afraid you're going to get mad and sue them or, or something like that. And, um, you if, know, because I thought it would have been nice if they had hired me and my sister. I you thought know, they to did. Be, to be, no, yeah, no, we didn't get any money. But it would have been nice if they would have hired us to be, to put input into the film. Um, but that's just, you know, that's not how Hollywood works, but maybe who knows, maybe one day somebody will do like a series and me and my sister can have input on that. You know, me and, me and Pete Rollins and Helen, uh, work, they have a group called, um, Magician's Niece, a production group. And we are working with Vice right now to do a documentary about my mother Good. and father. So, um, so we're doing that right now. I'm actually flying out to Belfast next month because it's all out of UK, the UK that we're doing this stuff. That's very exciting. And I think that would be fantastic. But if you had been consulted for this film, what would you do? What would you do differently? Oh my gosh. A lot. Um, I mean, Jessica's performance is so wonderful. And Andrew really humanized my dad. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, just like there's like a story, like there's a scene where these kids are making fun of my mom and she hands them like portraits, pictures of herself, like, you know, hey, let me, anybody want pictures? But this true story is even better is that was at a mall that this happened and she walked up to these kids and said, hey, are you guys, you know, if you're gonna make fun of me, you gotta get to meet me first. And then she's like, listen, you know, Marie Callender's is upstairs. Are you guys hungry? Uh-huh. If you want, I'll get you whatever you want and we can just sit and talk. And my mom took these like four like little skater kids who were making fun of her to Marie Callender's and sat with them and bought them lunch and sat and talked to them for like an hour. You know, um, I wasn't born in 1980 as much as I wish I was. Um, I was born in 75. Um, Did they say 1980? Yeah. Well, and what? I have my mom having the uh, affair with, uh, uh, or the, I, I don't know if it was a complete affair or not. I don't know if it was consummated or not. Um, but with, with, uh, with, the, with, the, with that producer, Gary Paxton, when she's pregnant with me and her little, like she's straddling my, straddling him when her water breaks now that didn't happen because i was born in 75 
the thing with her and Gary Paxton did happen in 1980. You know what I mean? So they put those took those two things together, which I just don't understand how that makes sense. No. Um, I probably would have like had them talk a little bit less religious when they mm-hmm. weren't on camera because my parents didn't talk like that. Oh, that's interesting. And I think I would have also probably, um, like when, when my mom is looking at fur coats and her grandma's like, can we afford this? Or her mom, my grandma, you know, oh, donations are coming to me. My mother and father would never say anything like that. Like they, they, they were paid to do what they did. You know what I mean? It wasn't based on donations ever, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, their payments came from those donations, but also people don't know that my parents gave a hundred percent of all their royalties to PTL. Mm-hmm. So all the album royalties, all the book royalties, everything went to PTL. So they gave about like almost like almost seven times what they made back to PTL. And I think it was like the last few years, it was like $8 million that they could have earned off books. And that's why wow. some pastors are like, I don't get paid. You know, I just get my book money. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. Cause it's like three times, four times. Five <laughs> that's the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> you know, so and a lot of people don't know that and don't care to know that, you know, mm-hmm. but um, because everybody has this perception in their head that, you know, the story that they tell themselves that help them sleep at night and make the world be in some sort of order. But it's just that the truth is really stranger than fiction. So I, I would have made some of those things a little bit more clear. Um, like my p- parents never had giant pictures of themselves hanging up all over the house, you know, just right. You know, they had like embarrassing pictures of us, me and my sister. The only <laughs> Maybe time it's they would better have a they didn't picture, include her. <laughs> a big picture of themselves hanging up is if somebody did that for painted it for them, right. and that person might be coming over. <laughs> right, 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 right. Get it out. You know, isn't it funny though how people are like, I, I think you're gonna really love this giant picture of you. <laughs> I bet right. you get that sometimes. <laughs> they mean well. And it's nice. It's nice. I I often sometimes give them to Pete and tell them that. (laughs) I'm sure he appreciates that. Yeah. You know, he's one day going to have a whole room dedicated to just me. (laughs) (laughs) To what extent does have, because here's my understanding of your sort of trajectory. You were, you know, in the public eye with your family, then all hell broke loose and everything changed. And then there was tons of trauma for you. And then eventually you got sober and, you know, sort of righted your path. But like now, do you feel like it's all coming back and you have to relive the nightmare part again? A little bit. Um, And not so much like reliving the nightmare, but I mean, you do have to relive a lot of the, like, like now that there's social media. Yeah. You have to deal with everybody's opinion, you know, and, and most people just got their opinion from like watching the news or from rag magazines, you know, or gossip or rumors and just the punchlines really. Yeah. The punchlines are from Saturday night live or from, you know, late night Mm -hmm. talk shows. Mm -hmm. My parents were huge. And so to have like the very like unsensitive people of social media comment. So I've like, cut off the comments on most of my Facebook posts. I unfollowed almost everybody on Twitter. Um, I think I only follow 50. I think you're one of the people. I, I know I follow. made the cut. I checked. You made the cut. I was real yeah. worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I, I mean, I cut out like 10,000 people. That is, was the most hardest thing I, I, I'd done. Um, we, uh, 
you know, so uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more careful with that stuff right now. I think it's hard too when you when you study really hard and work really hard to do your own work, and you finally feel like, oh, you know, well maybe I'm not as, you know, I mean any interview I do, I, my parents are always mentioned, yeah. but you know maybe it's I, I'm not as uh, you know identified by being their son, you know, and then this happens and you're like, oh well, here we go again, yeah, and so. Um, do you feel resentful about that? No, you know, because I feel like it's the cards I've been dealt. Yeah. And so you kind of just have to use the cards that you've been dealt to the best of your ability. And so if it helps me get out the message of grace or not scapegoating one another or, you know, armchair philosopher, armchair theologian, get out there and write books and do things like <laughs> that. Then I just, I, I try to use it to the best of my ability, you know? And um, so I get to talk to people about, you know, the books I'm reading and the things that I'm thinking and uh, encourage people to uh, work better together and argue well together, you know? So that's, that's, that's the, the bright spot of that is that, you know, you try to just make it work for your work. Make the best know? of it. Yeah. Do you, I'm sure a lot of people are very curious about your faith, if you have any. And so what, how do you describe what you believe to people? Well, usually, I mean, people who listen to my stuff don't ask me, thank God, because that's a hard question. Um, you can skip it. We could skip it. No, no. What was, what was the, um, the experiment, uh, where the cat is in the box and it's alive and dead at the same time. What was that experiment? Called? I don't know that one. You don't. Okay. It's a really famous. Sounds I always awesome. forget the guy's name. And so supposedly like they poison this cat in this box. Okay. <laughs> but supposedly the cat is alive and dead all at the same time. It's very philosophical thought, but it's a scientific study. Huh. Anyway. I got to remember the guy's name. It's just escaping me right now. Um, But that's how I feel about God. So Mm -hmm. I believe it's not like I'm agnostic. I used to say I was an agnostic Christian. It's not that I'm agnostic, but I I move in a place where I believe God is dead and alive within the same point. Hmm. Um, So I have faith and I don't have faith. And what that is, is the dialectic. And so I subscribe to the dialectics of life and the dialectics of, I guess, for lack of a better word, religion. Um, I've really held on to that word religion a little bit more lately. I used to hate it. And I used to be like, I'm spiritual, not religious, you know. But now, like, spiritual seems to be like, I don't, I don't <laughs> That's like that gross too now. So I'm just going to go with religion and something that I practice and that I, I, I read and I study. And, and uh, so, I, I, I mean, Paul Tillich thought this way. So it's not anything crazy. I mean, Tillich was probably the most important philosopher, theologian of the 20th century. So it, it's nothing new. I mean, there's always been the death of God uh, theology since the 60s, I guess, even probably before then. Um, but I live within the attention, within the um, contradictions. And we all have contradictions. And it's learning to live within those contradictions. And what can we uncontradict (laughs) in a way and what contradictions do we have to accept within life and so I live within that contradiction and I'm very comfortable there um but 
I don't know how, I mean, I really would like to write a book about it because yes. in order to explain it, it would probably require that much time. Well, and you're I, a very talented writer. I hope you do create that book because uh, thank you. I love everything you put out. It's wonderful. Well, I have dyslexia, so I always work with co-writers, but the great thing about working with co-writers is, is it's like, you know, like, uh, like Lennon and McCarthy, you know, you're, 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 carving this thing up and you have it and then they come back and they go like well no i don't know what about this part and and it becomes this really but i also reason i always have the co-writer's name on there and i don't use ghost writers is because i want people with dyslexia and with learning disabilities to know like you also can do this stuff like you know i'm all self-taught autodidact is the word you know i i dropped out of high school got my ged i've i've gone to seminary to take classes but i've never officially gone to seminary or Bible college. I just buy books and buy the books they read yeah. and read them like insanely. So, you know, I feel now like I'm you read Hegel and that's almost impossible. <laughs> but your whole life too has been like one big training ground. So you can do it. You can circumvent the system. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And that's another thing is I, I, I have a lot of friends who are extremely smart and talented who should be writing books and aren't able to do it. So I do, you know, when you count that, like the cards I've been dealt, you know, realizing that, you know, living through hell has given me some bit of a voice. That what do you really- think pre- prevented you from like throwing the baby out with the bathwater in terms of religiosity or whatevs? The concept of grace, um, the idea of loving your enemy as yourself, those two things drew me in because it was so different from what I'd heard growing up. Now I saw my parents practice it, but I'd never heard it talked about. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to study and do my own like deconstruction of the Bible, what I realized is that was the essence of the Bible, especially the new Testament. And that it was good news. It was actually good. News. It, is, like, good. it you know? is good news. And a lot of it comes from the apostle Paul, who a lot of people don't like. Um, but that's based on like the pastoral epistles really, which I believe are forgeries and should be removed from the Bible. If I, if it was up to me, I would have those books taken out because they, I think those were put in to try to corral yeah. Paul's message. Um, so, so you, those things just, there's something about that, that, you know, that love, that Corinthians 13, you know, love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. And what drew me to Hegel actually wasn't his philosophy originally, but it was reading a book about Hegel by a guy named Todd McGowan, where he talked about Hegel used to just put Christianity with all the other religions, but then something happened where Hegel connected with the concept of love within Christianity and said, there's something different here than all other religions to me. Mm. And this love is, it seems to be a little bit different. And, and it, that was what drew Hegel into Christianity. So for me, um, the love essence there, I mean, I think the best practice was probably Dr. Martin Luther King mm-hmm. uh, Jr. I think he really practiced that well with how he, he would talk about his enemies. He would not even call them enemies. He would say they were victims of misinformation. <laughs> And uh, that's I'm going to mess- start calling them that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, kind of passive aggressive too. Yeah, really I kind of love it. <laughs> Very Minnesota. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, and he said, they, you know, they, these are their victims as well. And so when you start to think that way and see things that different way, the world becomes a different place. 
And I want to sit down with my enemies. That's why I, I can't stand cancel culture. Um, I really believe in, in restoration. I believe in accountability. I'm not saying no accountability. Um, but I also believe that grace is a type of anarchy that moves within so many different areas that it never makes anybody happy. Hmm. And so whatever system we build, grace is going to be anarchy within that system. You know, grace does not allow a place for an asterisk. And we, hmm. everybody wants to give it an asterisk. Woke people want to give it an asterisk. Conservative people want to give it an asterisk. Mm-hmm. Everybody has got fears of this, this concept of grace. And I, so those are the things that really have kept me involved with Christianity. I love that. I can't quit smiling because everything you say <laughs> is just like so refreshing and exciting because it is radical and it is revolutionary. And you were able to tap into that despite all the garbage and the noise that happened in your life. And I think that's a pretty inspiring thing to be. So I love it. I mean, it. I'll give you, just honestly, though, like a few weeks before I really started looking into it, it was a friend of mine who challenged me to do it. Because I really thought God was a piece of shit. You know, <laughs> I thought God had made a mistake and that mistake was me because Ooh. I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I can't do anything that I'm supposed to do. Like, okay, I can't, I, like, I couldn't stop drinking until I realized it didn't matter if I drank or not to God, you mm. know? So, you know, it was, it was that, it, it, it was, it was the, the, the temptation of it all that like, Oh God hates me. If I drink, oh, I got to drink, you know? And then I was like, <laughs> God doesn't care. And then I was like, oh, maybe this, maybe driving drunk and sleeping on the front door of my house and following women into bathrooms is not a good thing. It's not ideal. Me. Yeah. So, um, you know, being creepy is not great. Um, so yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I, it was really revolutionary to my brain. It was like, oh, you know, I can't believe this feel is true. That your uh, feelings about cancel culture are informed by your experiences. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's not, you know, not just my experiences, but also by the works that I read. You know, if you read any great, philo- you know, if you read a lot of great philosophy and you read a lot of great theologians, you realize that, that they don't allow room for that because you're having to do, you're, you're seeing humanity. If you read Freud, there's not this idea of the, un, you know, this person's not going to, I'm not going to talk to this person. You know, mm-hmm. I have this great book there where Freud is trading letters with a pastor because Freud was an atheist. You know, everybody thought they couldn't work together. And they have these great letters of them trying to work together because this pastor wants to do psychoanalysis in his church. Um. So, yeah, because I know what it's like. And what is it parents, like? To say that my parents weren't canceled, it being a 45-year-old man and having people come on and say, your mother's a clown and a thief, you know, and, and things like that to you. And I'm 45. My mother's dead. She died in 2007. This is something that happened in the 1980s. Or having one of the a social justice person who's, you know, fights for prisoners' rights you know, tweet something that says, I can't believe Jim Baker is allowed to be on TV. I mean, after he was in prison and all this stuff, you know, because now they are living into a contradiction right. where there's this complete lack of grace. Like Jim Baker did his time. You might not like what he does now. I don't like what he does now. <laughs> but the fact is he served five years in prison. Right. You know, like when is the, when, when do you have enough piece of flesh? You know, when do you have enough blood? When is there enough? So yeah, living in that is pretty awful because it's not just that person. Mm-mm. because hum- human nature is as people will find a way like, Oh, cause she's dead. So I can't tell her she's a piece of shit. Well, I'll find mm-hmm. one of her kids 
or God forbid, one of her grandkids, and I'll tell them oh, that. God. So it's a toxic thing. It's it's the lack. It is the opposite of grace. Cancel culture is falling from grace. When they're doing that, when they come to you and say something cruel in that way, what do you think motivates that? What does it do for them? I think it's a lot of it's projection. I think it's yeah. their own pain. I think it's a coping mechanism. Um, I think it's wanting to be heard. I also think it comes from their own experiences and their own hurt with, mm-hmm. with the church. I mean, the church has been a very nasty place. And so by scapegoating my parents into that, it kind of gives them an image. It gives them something to be solid and to look at. Because when you just say the church, you know, you're talking about millions of people all over the world. But when you have somebody to scapegoat and focus on, you know, and here the thing was in the, in the 80s, my parents weren't political at Heritage USA. They weren't conservative. I mean, I, and there's a scene in the movie where my dad's saying, well, we want to vote for Pat. My dad didn't, actually didn't care about Pat or, or George Sr. He, he, the, both of them asked him to, to, to speak on their behalf. And he said, no, that's illegal. That's not how we do it at PTL. That, you know, when my dad was asked to join the Christian coalition, he said, no, that's not what we do. That's not how we see things. We're not about right or left, you know, we're about humans. So my parents were very radical in those years. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of the hate that's directed towards them, I think, comes from thinking like, well, they're just like Jerry Falwell or they're just yeah. like Jimmy Swagger, or, you know, we just, we just want something easy that we can sum up and point fingers at. And, uh, you know, I, I always, you know, I've been challenging people lately, like, if you've gotten your opinion about someone from the press or from social media, um, you might want to hold that real lightly. Because there's 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 something that you might not know about them, you know. I mean, it's I even I even kind of find like I find myself feeling sad for people who have like the melt, mask meltdowns. You know, they don't wear masks. The non maskers. I wear masks everywhere. I shower in my mask, but no, <laughs> you know. And they have these meltdowns, and they're all like sheeple, you know, and all this. Right? Hey, yeah. You know, but I kind of feel bad for them because I'm like, damn, you know, this was a day where they just cracked, and everybody's got a video on camera on their phone. And like to have that, your moment in life, you know, what, you, what most people know you for is for the moment you broke down is, is sad because I bet you that person's probably pretty solid. I bet you they probably helped a lot of people. They probably gave, probably saved people's lives with their words, but they mm. just, just had enough, you know? So I just, I, it's funny. It's like, I, I just, I always tell people like, you don't have to do this. This is just, I'm like, if you want to follow the religion that I follow, which is, is Christianity, which I subscribe to, it says, don't judge how you judge, you will be judged. So I just don't, I don't really, I try not to judge people. You don't have to do that. But that's why I found peace in my life. So I just don't like doing it. You know, I, I don't buy into it. And I really believe that everybody deserves a second and third and fourth chance, you know, um, now, do I believe they're not, they don't need to be held accountable? No, I'm not saying that we just go, oh, you know, you killed 15 people. It's fine. You know, I'm not saying that. Or you raped someone or you, you know, whatever. I, I don't think that that's, it's not someone, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that I think they do deserve a bit of healing and they do deserve a bit of therapy and they do deserve a bit of, you know, us to not just use a scarlet letter. You know, I, I just, it's weird to me because I feel like, so much of what I see progressives doing now reminds me so much of what conservative evangelicals did in the 80s and 90s. Really? 
Oh my gosh. Yes. There's, <laughs> Tell they've, got me. All these, they've got all this legalism on all these rigid rules of like, you know, if you don't say things the right way, if you don't use the right words, you know, you're done, you're in trouble. You know, if you, if you vote one way or you don't vote the other way, you're out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I mean, I saw pastors saying, you know, liberal pastors saying like, if your family voted for Donald Trump, you need to just let them be and leave them alone and not associate with them anymore. Yeah. I'm going like, this is what the conservative church told people to do to their gay kids in yeah. the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Like, so basically, if the fruit of this is tearing families apart, I don't want any part of it, mm. you know? And when I see people so self-righteous about it, I mean, this one guy, the one person who's like, your mother's a clown and a thief and all this, I went and looked at his at his Facebook page and it was like, I love Palestine. Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? It was like, all the all this stuff is awesome, except Tammy Faye is a clown because she wore too much makeup. But yeah, it's like, it's okay to right. make fun of this woman and this person. You know, so there's a double standard there as well. And um, it's not healing. It's it, And I think capitalism plays into it. You know, I think political politics play into it. Because honestly, I don't think there's really any difference between liberals and conservatives anymore. Um, as far as in office, you know, oh, yeah. um, but I mean, even if you watch the media, like had Donald Trump killed, a, 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 you know, had a bus bombed with seven kids in it, we would all been like, Oh my God, you know, but it happens under, you know, um, what's our president's name? Biden. <laughs> it happens under Biden's watch and everybody's like, Oh, well, you know, well, they apologized, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's this, this double standard. And totally. I just saw Christians live by that double standard for so long. And that's what drove me out of Christianity. That's what drove me away from it. And that's what caused me to have the message that I have. And so when I see people falling into that same, they've just traded one system for another, one rigid system for another rigid system. Um, to me, that's, that's dangerous and it's just transference and it's like, no, we, we want to change. We want to become new people. And I, that's what I love about Martin Luther King Jr. Um, is, is I really felt like he did that in, in, a, in a beautiful way where he just, you know, he sat down with the enemy. He had conversations with them and had hard conversations, you know, where it's like, we're afraid to have hard conversations. Like we're not adults anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like we can't argue well anymore. And what I want to do is encourage people to argue, well, well, I might be triggered or I might be this. Okay, well, don't argue right away. Maybe get some therapy, work out some stuff. And people, well, I don't have health insurance. Well, guess what? Either do I. Mm-hmm. I don't have health insurance right now either. And I'm having to see my health and in- I'm having to see my therapy bill as kind of like, a, I don't make a lot of money. It, it hurts me to have more money going out and coming in. But I see it as an investment, not just for my kids and myself, but also for my work. And for how I relate to other human beings. And so um, I think we have to make sacrifices. If we want to see the world change, you know, if we want to say the world see the same, we'll continue to uh, live in a, a way of um, binary thinking. And, that, and binary thinking is, is really horrible. And, and the funny thing is, is like we're doing most of this like arguing and hatefulness on these millionaire apps that these millionaires have put together on books that we read from millionaire billionaires apps on these books that we read from a billionaire's store on devices that we read from billionaires too, you know, and we judge all these people. And then we justify the fact that half the stuff in our awesome phones 
are mined by children, you know, in third world countries, you know? So it, it's, it's like, we all have contradiction. It's just what level do we decide to be at ease with it, you mm-hmm. know? But what's better is, is rather than just having it in our unconscious, when we bring it to the conscious, we're able to work on it and deal with it and see that. And all of a sudden, everything doesn't become so black and white. And there's not like the bad guy twirling their mustache all of a sudden, you know. Um, what is your advice for people like me and like you who are not ideologically synced with their parent or a family member? I imagine it's been a struggle because your dad and you do not share a lot of worldview points. So what the heck are well, we supposed to I do? Mean, at this point, my dad's not talking to me and I don't know why. What? Yeah. So we're not really talking right now, but I still send him pictures of my kids all the time <sighs> and um, I'll send a message every now and then. Uh, but, you know, I saw him two years ago for during Christmas and we had a conversation. We had tough. We had a tough conversation, and at one point, I think I told him he was full of shit, you know. And he got really mad, and then he calmed down, and we had the conversation. And I knew, I know I'm enough to kind of know where I can push and where I I, I shouldn't push. Um, but you know what was more important than even that conversation was my kids playing with his other grandkids because he adopted my dad adopted five kids and um uh uh latinos and uh, you know and latin and latinos kids and 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 they're great and they have grant and they have kids now and all and my and, and my kids opening presents and hugging grandpa and seeing grandpa and and when they don't have their grandma you know and and, and they love her because they see pictures of her all the time mm-hmm. but you know that was important to me um, for a lot of reasons, because I, I wasn't very close to my grandparents until my, really until my, my grandfather was the one I only got really close to. And that was at the end of his death, but end of his life. I mean, um, and there's something missing there Mm -hmm. and I don't want my kids to miss that. And my kids don't have to worry about right now, aren't worried about politics and stuff. They might look back and be like, Oh, grandpa said some crazy stuff, or they might've been like, Oh, he was making a lot of sense. Who knows? I don't know what the kids will grow into. Yeah. But uh, that's not going to change the way I feel about my kids. Um, I'm going to love my kids no matter what. Um, So yeah, that was important. But also I'm the one who can say, dad, this is why I don't think you should be talking about LGBTQ people. You know, and he had a while where he didn't mention LGBTQ folks at all because of our conversation. Okay. You know, um, I can talk to him about why I disagree with his politics. Um, He's not a dumb man. Um, wow. but he is sincere and he really does believe the stuff that he says, you know? And yeah. so and I feel like some of it feels a bit unhinged. Um, <laughs> but I'm the one voice of reason that can come into his life and say those things. So yeah. for me, I'd rather be able to be in his life and be that voice. Right. Than not, you know? And, hmm. uh, also I haven't walked in his shoes. Like, I don't know what it's like to feel up, wake up every day and feel like you're, you, how many people hate you and know that you're hated, you know, and know that your life has been, you know, your life work was disgraced, you know, and I don't know what it's like to spend five years in prison, you know, um, I, I am very empathetic, but I can't necessarily empathize with some of those things because I, I just don't have a place for them. So, um, 
I love my dad. I don't agree with my dad, but that's the thing is I don't think we have to agree with each other to love each other. And people always say, well, if you're questioning this or questioning that, or you're questioning my self-worth or my humanity, then we can't talk. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but that's exactly when you should be talking to those people, because if they get to know you and get to hear your point, that might be what changes them, Hmm. you know, because tough conversations work. When I was working with, um, Soul Force, which is a, a Christian organization that works for LGBTQ rights. You know, we met with Bill Hybels in this mega church in Chicago, and we met with a bunch of different mega churches, and we met with them and had a meeting. And, and one of the people that was there is a parent who lost their daughter, who was attending their church, whose daughter took her life because she felt like God didn't love her. You know, and we're having really intense conversation. And um, and this was a long time ago. Back then, it was they really wanted an, a, 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 a white guy's voice. In the, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so I was able to be the bad cop and they were all the good cops. <laughs> worked out. Um, you know, we, you leave and you feel like nothing's changed, but they dropped Exodus. And when Exodus said we've been dropped by, by this church and they, the reason Exodus gave is wow. like, we feel like soul force because they went in there and had this conversation. Good. Uh, you might not change everything, but you can lead to small changes that eventually yeah. will lead to bigger changes and, and help people think differently. And uh, I think that's important. I think, you know, what's going to speak louder, like not talking to your family for the rest of your life or the fact that you were the one who were like, I'm going to stick through this. I mean, when, when the Bible says love never gives up, so it doesn't even demand wow. its own way. So it's not irritable and it keeps no record. You know, if I take these things as truths, you know, well, I know, I don't think most people do. Um, and I'm not saying it was handed down, written in by the hand of God. I'm just saying I take these as truths that I think work and actually make the world better, make my life better. Because I really, I want to live a good life. I want to live well. I want to enjoy life. I, I, you know, I'm not like I want to be a martyr and just be beat up by all these people, <laughs> you know? No, but it just fascinates me how humanity works and how humans work and how, how we can change. Do you mind if I ask you some questions that people sent in? Nope. You got a lot. There were so many. Oh, cool. Like people are just chomping at the bit to talk to Jay. All right. That's nice. Okay. Um, Let's see. Somebody would, Becca wants to know, what do you think are the biggest issues facing America today? It's like you're running for president. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a bad, that would be a short <laughs> fantasy. Um, yeah. Um, capitalism. Because it, it offers to fulfill, fill, fill the lack. Nothing fills the lack. Yeah. Um, God doesn't fill the lack, but it, it says it will fill the lack. It makes these promises. And um, that the next product or the next item or the, or the next house or the, even the next marriage, you know, and I, I believe capitalism, uh, if you look at like how capitalism started in America with slavery, you know, what I mean, and now pretty much people's working wages are getting very close to what it looks like slavery because people can't work a full work week and afford rent. Right. Groceries and and, you know, shampoo and deodorant and clothes. You know, I mean, it's just we, we, we live in a country where people literally cannot live on the minimum anywhere. You just there's no houses for rent, no apartments for rent where you can make minimum wage. You have to have two or three jobs. Um, 
you know, we're starting to see capitalism fall apart with the all the billionaires flying to space and doing all this stuff because they don't even give a shit. You know, it's like <laughs> fly really to space don't. or feed millions of people. I'm going to fly to space. They don't even pretend to care. It's fascinating. No, I mean, I, I mean, you know, at least you have to give them that. At least they're not, you know. Yeah, they're not, they're not phonies. <laughs> yeah. Um, on to space and it's all because of you. Bethany wants to know if your dad saw the movie. I don't think so. And I no. don't think he will. No, I wouldn't expect that. I w- I, in a way, I wish I could sit down with him and explain like how Andrew Garfield humanized him. And I'm like, dad, you do see humanity there, man. And, 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 and my dad is a human being just like everybody else. Honestly, mm-hmm. I would not do the work I do today if it wasn't for my father, not just my mother. They were a team and you didn't have one without the other. I mean, my dad taught me so much about loving and forgiving people who are my enemies, like literal enemies, like Jerry Falwell and all these people. Um, and I saw him do it. And I remember telling him I thought he was insane and he was an idiot. And 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 I saw him do it and it changed my life. You know, wow. so I wish he would see it because I think it's very humanizing, but I think it would just be too hard for him to watch. I can imagine that. Um, Heather would like to know, and her name is Heather Williams Music, so I, I suspect she's a musical person. Your mom <laughs> loved singing. What artist could you see your mom singing a duet with? That sounds nice. Oh, that does sound nice. Um, she was supposed to do, before he got canceled, um, a duet with Marilyn Manson, a Christmas song. <laughs> Lord they of became, mercy. Yeah, they became friends. They did not. Yes. My mom was a mom to everybody. Um, one of my best friends was a Satanist and he came, his mom died in a bad car accident. And so he would come to my house for Thanksgiving and Christmas. My mom didn't care that he had giant pentagrams on his elbows or, you know, all this. I love her so freaking much, you know, and we all hung out and he called her mom, you know? And (laughs) so, you know, for me, like she would probably still consider doing it with Marilyn <laughs> yeah, you know, right. with all the weird news that's come out about him. Um, but they almost did a, a duet together. Um, I don't know. Like she could do a duet with anybody. Yeah, I would love she to, could. You know, she, she loved to sing. And I, I think she sang with Johnny Cash once. Ooh, that's cool. Like she went to a concert and he brought her up on stage and they do, did a duet. Unfortunately, I wasn't there because they told me it was country music and I kicked myself <laughs> today for not going. Hey, I was like nine or 10. Yeah. You know? The country was just like, Ugh. you know, ah, I know. Um, I got to meet him once, but never got to, never got to see him play. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know who the hot artists are right now. I'd yeah, say, I'm going to say Bono or no, Sinead O'Connor. Her and Sinead Ooh. O'Connor. Good choice. About women who've been scapegoated. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you're right. Um, Harley Dean wants to know, do you see support from previous um, PTL folks who have deconstructed or shifted their own faith? Um, I see some who haven't deconstructed, who are still like, in it. you know, like, you know, you're not going to vax me on their site. You know what I mean? But still come in and be like, Oh mate, buddy, we love you. We love your parents Okay, thinking about you. Um, we don't have to agree on everything, but we just want to let you know that we're thinking about you right now and stuff like, see, that's why people are different and complex. You can't just 
put them into, you can't just, we are literally, that's hard when though. We, when we put them into all, it's hard. Yeah. But life is hard. Yeah. You know, like when Jesus said, die to your flesh, he wasn't saying, don't go to radar movies or listen to secular music. You know, he's saying, love each other. This is the hard part is loving each other. That's what Christianity, that's the hard part. That's the taking up the cross part. That's the dying to yourself part is loving each other. It's not being celibate. It's not premarital sex. It's loving each other. So guess what, everybody? Anything worth doing takes effort. We had, um, for a documentary club this past month, we did Pray Away, you know, about the like oh yeah. gay conversion therapy and stuff. And one of the members was like, why do evangelicals focus so much on the gay thing and abortion. And I'm like, because loving your enemies is hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the truth. And they don't want to focus probably on their own sexuality. Uh, well, that's definitely true. You know? So, I mean, sexuality, like that's one of the things I liked about the film is that it showed my parents as sexual human beings. Mm. And I think sexuality is such a huge part of humanity and life. And to ignore it, I mean, I honestly, I think one of the biggest damages the church did in the late 80s, early 90s was this, like the purity rings and things like that. You know, I've seen, I've met, strangely enough, more women than men, but women who just like, don't feel like they can have sex yes, or they don't feel sexual at all, or they feel guilty about their sexuality, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's like, that's something that needs to be talked about and confronted. Like, I'm not a big, like, let's shit on the church and call it deconstruction. But <laughs> I'm, I'm one who's, I'm one to say, like, let's look, let's look and see some things that really went wrong. And I think how the church has handled sexuality and how the Catholic church handles sexuality is horrific and, yes. and needs to be talked about. Um, because mm. sexuality is a powerful, beautiful, amazing thing. So there you go. I don't know if I answered it. Was that yes, even that? you did. Okay. Okay. Uh, Helen Rollins wants to know, are there any lessons about the way your parents were treated that we could learn today? I mean, pretty much what we've been talking about Mm -hmm. is not scapegoating people, not writing people off. I mean, do you remember the, the, when the bombing happened at the Olympics and everybody thought it was that security guard? I think they made a movie about his life. You know, um, we just don't know people scapegoating doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We all fuck up. And could you imagine if your worst moments were caught on camera? Um, they are, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can imagine. Yes, um, it's awful. We've both done a little bit of TV where we've they called our they called mine a docu-series to kind of try to avoid the reality word. Um I'm I'm a reality denier. No, right. I did a docu series. It was, it was very classy. It was on Sundance Channel. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, we've had bad moments and good moments, you know, out there. But yeah, so uh, I think we could learn how not we we can't scapegoat each other. I think the biggest. I mean, it's just I really think it's like billionaires and social media billionaires and big tech love what that we fight each other yeah they love that we fight each other over politics and that we're we 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 nitpick each other's politics because there's some good things in there to nitpick with one another and ride each other off and continue to fight because i think it keeps them rich and i think they <laughs> That's love for it. sure it's big business you know? and i know i have friends who are conservative who would give me the shirt off their back 
And I have friends who are woke that won't let me come in and talk at a hurt Christians meeting because I was on the side of the people who did, they think did the hurting and won't let me in on that group, you know, or, or, and they say, oh, oh wow. well, this is a safe space. I'm like, there's no such thing as a safe space. Maybe AA, but I've seen arguments in AA. Therapy is not very safe for me. Um, <laughs> me neither. The church is the last place that should be safe. I'll tell you that. It should always kind of stir you, I think. It should always challenge yes. you. Like, it should be like going to see a comedian, you know, where it's kind of uncomfortable. Um, truth is not comfortable. And I feel um, like I'm in church right now. You're good, man. Well, these are things that I really do passionately believe in, you know. And I saw my parents scapegoat and it hurt and it felt horrible. I remember one time some people like, look, Mark Driscoll, for example, is a guy I cannot agree with almost on anything. If it's yeah. if he said it was day, I'd be like, it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> but he was sharing something about his, his son and about the media and how his son was a bit afraid of the media. And these people were taking the piss out of him and taking the piss. Oh, yeah, he's probably lying about his kid and everything. And I said, nope, this is where I draw the line, everybody. This is his kid he's talking about, you know. And I had a very similar experience to the one he was saying about his kid, Mm -hmm. how his kid was dressed in camouflage and hiding from the press. I did the same exact thing as as a kid myself. And all of a sudden, I had compassion for my enemy. I understood my enemy as a human being and as a father. So if we want, the real sheeple are the people who continue to allow us to be divided. Mm. That's, 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 we're playing into a bigger game. If we, we've, we've got to think at a different level than them, you know, and not let them rule the day. It's so easy to say everybody's bad. I mean, if I wanted to be a hit on, like I have friends who have like millions of Twitter followers, but all they do is scapegoat one side mm-hmm. or the other, mm-hmm. you know, cause it gets the great hits. It makes you popular. And it does all things like that. I just, it Life's too short to live that. Yeah. Life's too short for that. You know, maybe a hundred years, somebody will find something I wrote or listen to a video and be like, because I mean, when I read someone like Freud and Freud was actually is very, very accessible as a writer. As I look at somebody who's going like, he was trying to tell us the secrets because he wanted humans to think better and live a better life and live well. I mean, he really was trying to do that. And everybody was like, oh, I did cocaine. You know, they scapegoat him for all this. Oh, he, touched, <laughs> cocaine. You know, he let kids do weird sex stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, And here I'm like, okay, well, got to remember when he was alive and everything that was going on. You know, but the fact is, is, I think he wanted people to, to be healthy mm-hmm. and to live life well and not be dependent on big pharma, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which didn't exist probably at that time either. But the point was, is he didn't believe in all these drugs that we all took. I mean, I take medication. I'm not going to lie. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, and it's funny to see like these, like see punk rock friends, like fighting, like these things of like, yeah, you got to get that shot, you know? And and it's like big government (laughs) and big, big meds, big, you know, the, the medical companies and the, like, I got it. I have kids. I believe it's the right thing to do, but I had to think I'd use my brain, you know, like, because I'm like, I don't trust the government and I don't trust big pharmaceuticals. And this is, their product. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm watching these people like who would never say, do this, do this. That's why I love Russell Brand. Have you ever watched Russell Brand? Yes. I mean, I think he's probably the biggest voice of reason right now out there is Russell mm-hmm. Brand. I don't, I don't watch his meditation stuff because that's not really my bag, but I, I, I really like his, I, I, 
And don't think I'm some conservative here. I'm not. I've never voted for <laughs> right. a Republican. I have never voted for a Republican in my life, period. Not even like a well sensible one. There was one I really should have voted for once. And we got this insane Democrat person. I learned this one in my 20s. And I still voted for this insane person because I was so much like, I, I had that it. on. You okay. know, I was the snowflake. I was the, you know, I, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But I'm just saying is like, I'm not going to scapegoat people anymore, you know? And honestly, I, in the next election, I, I will find it very hard to vote for anyone if, if someone who's not more of a socialist doesn't come out, you know, because I'm, yeah. I'm really left. Like These things you're hearing you. are really leftist ideas. These aren't, you know. Yeah, I get you. Um, what the do heck? You? Is- <laughs> Yay. What do you think it is about your mama? That Let me take off my jacket because it's 500 degrees yeah, in my house. It's getting, it's getting hot in here. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about the wonderful Tammy Faye, who I love and adore, um, that like people are still interested? Is it charisma? Is it the love? It's is the contradiction. It... Yeah. She had everything we've been talking about, to be honest with you. But people are see, see it within the unconscious. They're unconsciously seeing what, what I'm talking about. Because, yeah, a little bit of makeup and crazy dressing will get you a cert. I mean, if, if it was just sure. that. It'll every, get you attention. You know, every drag queen in the world would be. Right. It doesn't person. keep people. Um, and that's one of the things I, I was thinking about the other day was is how the, the, the first documentary about my mom, which I think is the best thing that's ever been done about her, the original documentary, which was mm-hmm. also called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. And this movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, where they kept the name, is I kept thinking about The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Like even her, her, her drugstore eyelashes couldn't cover up the eyes. Mm-hmm. And there was something about her eyes. And you could see, I often would see a lot of pain in my mother's mm-hmm. eyes. Because loving people is painful. Yes. And loving people when they don't like you. And I mean, I remember like for my mom walking through the mall in, in the late eighties was like walking through a minefield because you had old conservative people yelling really ugly stuff sometimes at us, liberal people yelling really ugly stuff. I mean, liberals honestly find a whole new level of low. That's what makes it really hard for me. Cause I always felt like the left was my safe place. Yeah. And to be honest with you, they can be some of the because they're very self-righteous about it in yeah, a way yeah, that yeah. Even, yeah. even the, even the, you know, like they're, it's, it's this virtual, 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 not virtual, virtue signaling type of thing. Um, it's just like their God is like being PC in a way or something. I don't know, but like they could be really awful too. So we had both sides. This is the thing. Right. My family had conservatives and liberals hated them. So it was really fantastic. We brought people together. Um, <laughs> but for my mom, it was like walking through a mind. And then she'd see kids wearing Irene and a Tammy Faye t-shirts. Now, what my mom chose to do was walk up to them and sign the shirts and have a laugh with them. You know, um, God bless you when somebody told her that she was going to hell or that she was a criminal. And my dad was the same way. Mm. I was like, how do you guys go out in public? And they were always like, we love you. God bless you. You know what I mean? Like they just never were like, I was just waiting for the day for my mom and dad to turn around and just give somebody the middle finger and be like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. They never did it. Yeah. When, when um, the Baptist church, what are the ones that, uh, that to do protest the funerals? Um, you know who I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, Westboro. The, when Westboro did my mom's funeral memorial, mm. when they protested it, 
I had my friend drive by and I, when I drove by, I put both my hands out and gave them the middle, both two middle fingers as I drove mm-hmm. by. Mm-hmm. I said, why did you do that? And I said, because I had, I needed to, you know, Mr. Grace, Mr. Love and Compassion. <laughs> Take it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and my, and my folks never did that. And I was always like, man, there's a lot of, and, and it's really sad because I do find that I'm very uncomfortable with anger myself and probably could use more of it or at least a release, better release for it. Um, I think too, though, that she is an original. She is original. She really, well, she loved people and she brought people together and she was able to reach people no matter where they were at, no matter what their religion was, no matter what their sexuality was, no matter their age, she could reach people. Like she tattooed one of my, my friends, Phil Colvin, who is my tattoo artist in Atlanta, he was joking one day and be like, I'd love to have your mom tattoo me. And she was in town. I'm like, mom, this would be crazy. But my friend has said this thing. And I'm like, would you tattoo him? And she's like, of course. No. Called up Phil and I was like, were you serious about my mom tattooing you? And he's like, get the fuck out. You know, and he wears like all these, like he's totally an atheist and like has like all these shirts that are like, you know, Jesus was like, you know, eyes, right. fire shooting out. Like, reverend. Oh, you know, all this crazy stuff. My mom would care less about any of that stuff. She thinks it's kind of silly. And I kind of do too. Um, but yeah, so she goes in, tattoos them. But before she goes in and tattoos them, she gets a picture of herself. She puts it in frames. I feel him. Yeah. Yeah. She's giving me my makeup. <laughs> Where's your crazy glue? Where's your crazy glue, honey? I'm like, hold on, I'll get some. Just, we always have to have crazy glue. Wait, for crazy what? Glue, takes makeup out of her purse, puts cr- crazy glues, her makeups onto the frame with the picture, takes it to Phil. So he no. has this picture, remembers it, sits down and tattoos a little cross with a TF by it. I am so jealous. I but want yeah, that. I, I am kind of too. I kind of should have like, hey, come yes. Um, but, but that, but my mom, you know, and then she would go speak at ORU if they had her. You know what I mean? Like she yeah. just, but the thing is, is, I don't know if my mom could exist today. Like, mm. I think like, and honestly, this is the sad thing is, and I think this is maybe what happened to my dad is I think there's a, you know, evangelicals kind of embraced him back in because the left was like, he's untouchable, you yeah. know? And I think now if my mom didn't come out and clearly state, I believe it's okay to be gay, I think a lot of woke people would cancel her or would push her away mm-hmm. because she wasn't clear enough. But in her time, when she lived, she could walk a line that brought everybody together. She didn't have to say it. And I know what she wanted to say, because I remember I was, she was one of the first people I went to to say, mom, I'm going to announce to the church that I affirm LGBTQ folks. And we had to talk about it, you know, but people don't know that part of her, you know, I mean, when, when Christians are protesting other liberal Christians at liberal music festivals, things have gotten a little out of hand, you know, like, because you're not left enough or you're, you know, I mean, does that not sound like Christianity in the eighties and nineties? Yeah. I remember I used to wear my Clinton shirt when I worked at a Christian television station when I was a teenager. Uh, no. That, is your, that shirt, is, he's the Antichrist, Jay. He is the Antichrist, you know? And, and I, maybe they were right because he put so many African-American kids and people in prison. That was pretty awful. Wow. You know? And I voted, you know, I voted for him the second time, which I, I, I couldn't vote the first time, but I worked on his campaign, you know? But I just what? blindly led by political things rather than facts so and he's probably one of the biggest capitalists who ever walked this earth 
you know, and then like, I recently saw his daughter say something really horrible about my dad, you know, and I, I didn't say anything, but I wanted to be like, Oh, should we compare dads? Wow. You should have said it. No, I know I wanted to, but it's just not my style. I'm a bad influence on you. No, you're not. (laughs) Please be that. I, I need more of a bad influence in my life. Whenever I have my nightly ritual of watching, um, 80 sitcoms, you know, to soothe myself into sleep. I constantly, every single sitcom I watch references your folks at some point. Right. And I wonder what it must feel like to think like around any corner, you're going to have to be triggered or. As a kid, it was terrifying. My parents really rolled with it. Well, like they laughed at the church lady interviewing them. Cause my dad loved the church lady. Cause my dad was like, cause that was another generation for him. Like we probably didn't have a lot of church ladies. My dad grew up surrounded by real. Right. Church ladies. Yeah. It's like real deal. So for him, it's like, I know like these people, this woman exists in real life. And he's like, and this would probably be what it would be like to be interviewed by her, even as a, you know, and he thought it was hilarious, you know, or my dad mm. loved the golden girls and they would make jokes about yes. them. And my dad would laugh. But as a kid, I didn't understand that. You know, as a kid, I wanted to protect my parents. You know, like I just saw them getting shit on all the time. And even when my dad was in prison, I couldn't even go into a church or a youth group without someone making a joke on the stage about my parents if they didn't know I was there. It almost came to the point where I wanted to tell people I was coming to their church so they didn't say anything bad about my parents. Yeah. So it wasn't only I couldn't watch TV. I mean, I remember when that Poison album, Poison album, Flesh and Blood came out when I was a kid. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait to get the new Poison album. And they had this song, Give Me Something to Believe In. And there's a line in there about he wasn't, a, some say he was a good man, but Lord, I think he sinned. And he's talking about my dad and it's in the video. And hmm. it was like, oh, I'm so heartbroken, you know? Um, like Suicidal Tendencies had a song about my parents. So it was just like, there was nowhere you could turn without people saying something horrible. And so people don't realize like not just what it does to the, the people who are being attacked, but to the people who love the people who are being attacked, mm-hmm. you know, that also damages them. Yeah. And then they don't, then all of a sudden, you know, there's no response. Oh, well, that's their fault for being famous. or that's their fault for doing, yes. you know, and they do the blame game, you know, and don't realize like, well, no, you've made victims too. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things for me is when I hear people talk a lot about churches, I'm always interested to be like, well, how long did you stay at that church? And why did you get up every morning and go in? Mm-hmm. Well, I was being, you know, you're an adult. Right. You know, I understand if, if you're a teenager, when we were teenagers and we were forced to go to church like five times a week. Yes. You know, and that's your, I get it. But also there's times where it was like, you could have not gone. You know, people were like, when people got really mad at the guy who wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye, he came out and denounced it. Yeah. And then people were still mad at him. Yeah, they're still mad. And I'm like, all right, you know, like it doesn't help a movement or any group at all if you don't eventually, like when someone does what you want to not celebrate. Like that doesn't make sense. Yes. You know, to say it's too late doesn't really work. Like there would be like, there would have been no white allies in the civil rights movement if the leaders weren't yeah. like taking people yeah. and saying, we're sorry for what we did. Can we join the movement? And then they're like, Oh, nope, sorry. It's too late. They're, they're, that's not, it's not how you build. Yeah. A like stop a screaming, do better. Cause then yeah. if people do better. And, and people do better. You go like, <laughs> Nope. 
too late. Not it's enough. Like bait and switch. Yeah. Just like, you know, just like the sinner's prayer. And then all of a sudden you got to stand up. You're like, wait a second. I, I told it was free. Now I got to stand up and now I got to do this. Wait a second. You know, mm-hmm. it's that bait and switch. We all do it. It's human nature to bait and switch people like that. And I remember telling people that I'm like, well, damn, man, if you just would have listened to me when I was a kid, I was telling people not to read that book and that it was bullshit and that you should go out and date as much as you could. <laughs> you know, so you just listened to the wrong guy, but you read the book. Yeah. Like you turned the pages. Like you didn't know you could pretend to turn the pages and tell your parents it was really good. Like maybe you needed Jay Baker's guide to being a teenager because I was really good at scams. I bet. Well, I just think you're a dear. Oh, I have one. I, we have to ask everybody one last thing, which is um, if you have a car, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Well, I usually, it's where the, you know, it's a mess because of the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. Yeah, you know, because late at night, that's how I get my anger out. Um, I did interview know. a funeral director one time and his answer was more. <laughs> well, accurate. actually, honestly, no, yeah. I have three skateboards nice uh a bag of stuff that i took out of my last car <laughs> that has just now been put Three in one spot in there. uh there's a, actually a, a, a old superman action figure that i really need to put on ebay before my son finds it because um, <laughs> if he finds it he's opening and yeah. playing with it which is and um there's a bicycle pump Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a like a quarter of a win- windshield washing thing, this big thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's some rope from the pinata that the rope that we always use for pinatas at birthdays. Wow. Yeah, it's really hard. And then there's an emergency kit, and there's a spare tire. Um, it's just hard to to do groceries. I put all my groceries like when my kids are with me. I'm like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna be surrounded by groceries because dad. So yeah. it's like full in the trunk. It's full. It's, oh wow. Yeah, it's full. Well, you're ready for anything then. Yeah. I see it. Like, I guess the only thing that would do it is like, if I was going to like, go, like if I was going to go out on a date with somebody I really wanted to impress, then I might empty the trunk. I was one of those guys, like if you came over to my house and it was spotless and I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't have any time to clean. Complete lie. Like (laughs) for three days, I was like, I'm cleaning the whole thing. It's going to be perfect. Oh yeah. I'm kind of lazy. Sorry for the mess. You know, then you marry me and you're like, I don't want to be with you anymore. That's probably why my both marriages fell is because I'm such a mess. It's like, if that happens, like if you're going to go out on a date with this lady that's super great, (laughs) then you have to just DM me and be like, I cleaned out my trunk. (laughs) Like, I'll know exactly what you mean. uh, There's a lady in my life right now that I really like a lot. So hopefully I don't have to. And she knows I'm a mess. So come as you are then. That's great. But. But she lives far away, so we're both kind of just got our fingers crossed. But I'll let you know if things change and I have yeah. to open the trunk. Oh, my God. Um, well, you're off the hook. I thank you so much for coming on. I do yeah. love you so much. I hope you oh, feel it. You. And I hope you feel like, you. the support that I offer and hopefully that lots of people offer to you because oh, you're very you. special. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs>